Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 164th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 612th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, April 9th, 2020. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday when four-star center Logan Duncombe out of Cincinnati announced his commitment to Indiana for the class of 2021. A question I've been asked a lot since then is, is he a program-changing recruit? And the answer is almost certainly no. Duncombe is not a Cody Zeller or a Thomas Bryant. Those guys stepped onto campus and were featured players from day one. Duncombe doesn't figure to have that level of impact right away. Which, on the one hand, may seem like a negative. I mean, we'll all take the Cody Zellers and Thomas Bryants we can get. In fact, we have one now in Trace Jackson Davis. But the double-edged sword of players that talented is that they leave after one or two seasons. And if you don't have at least a competent replacement for them, things can destabilize quickly. And that's why getting Duncan was so important. He may not be a program changer, but he does project to be a program stabilizer. In other words, he's our long-awaited Luke Fisher mulligan. You remember Luke Fisher, right? He came to IU in 2014 after the departure of Cody Zeller in a highly touted recruiting class that included Noah Vonley, Troy Williams, Colin Hartman, Stan Robinson, and Devin Davis, which in retrospect was one hell of a recruiting class. All six guys either went pro early or became legitimate contributors on NCAA tournament teams, even if only Troy and Colin did so at IU. But that brings us back to that word, stability. Fisher played 13 encouraging games at IU before transferring at Christmas break of his freshman season. He went to Marquette, sat out a year, and then turned in three good seasons of efficient offense, decent rim protection, and okay rebounding. Now, imagine if Fisher had stayed on that 2014 team down the stretch when Vonley started missing games and playing poorly. That team might have gone dancing. Then imagine if Fisher had been on the 2015 team when Indiana went a full season with Hunter Mascara Perea as its only post player. That team would surely have been better than a 10 seed. And then imagine if Fisher was still around for 2016. Sure, maybe it means that Indiana doesn't get Thomas Bryant without the promise of immediate playing time, but maybe it also means that you don't have to rely on being bailed out by the unlikely late recruiting crew coup of Bryant and Max Bielfeldt to rescue you from another lost season without a competent post presence. The point here is that Fisher was exactly the kind of player Indiana was missing during that roller coaster stretch of the Tom Crean era and that we have been missing for long stretches dating all the way back to Mike Davis, the solid, skilled, three- or four-star big man with a high floor who sticks around for four years. We got plenty of memorable five-star centers during that time, and a whole bunch of off-the-radar developmental guys who didn't pan out, but not much in between. That's a recipe for instability, all while models of program stability like Wisconsin and Michigan State have been seemingly rolling such players off their recruiting and player development assembly lines every single season. And a player like that is exactly what Indiana will need to maintain some semblance of stability if, as most expect, Trace Jackson Davis decides to bolt for the pros after his sophomore season. Luke Fisher bolted for another school, and Tom Crean never fully recovered. Time will tell what Logan Duncombe's IU story becomes. But one thing is for sure. If Archie Miller is going to build the kind of stable winning program he and Fred Glass promised when he was hired, 
then regularly landing and keeping and developing recruits like Logan Duncombe is inevitably going to be an important part of the equation, and that makes Duncombe's commitment an important step in an encouraging direction. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Andy Bottoms is off tonight as he and his family have been dealing with a power outage today. This is fun. Mm, Yeah, not so much. Uh, They did get their power back, so things are going better in the Bottoms house now. Uh, But here with me tonight, to my left... He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time so Coach is a lot like Justin Smith when it comes to building a fire. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I just can't help but um, be excited um, about this recruit, um, be, simply because again it builds that depth of of that toughness of that word I use all the time. But it just in watching these rewatches, you, you see the best players obviously help uh, the Indiana teams of the past, but there's also those. Um, mid mid range players that put in time, worked really hard, and were productive. Matt Novers, uh, Jared Oldel, um, countless uh, number of of guys that might not be the that program five star changer, but are good quality uh, college players. And, and I actually think Duncan's probably going to be better than those two guys uh, that that we saw in, in in the rewatch and. You know, the patience that uh, I, I talk about in, in this program, where we all want Indiana is to get old, stay old, and be that type of program that just constantly adds to an already solid mix every year. It's not, you know, uh, brand new and, and fall off for two years and then a, a good recruiting class and you, and you go up again, but that consistent play. And this just is a reminder. He's not Trace Jackson Davis. He's not going to come in and and be the number one go-to player his freshman year, but he's going to be able to contribute. And I think when you look back, the offensive efficiency got better all three years. The defensive efficiency is in the top 30. Um, And while there are points of play from this past season that we don't like, the the droughts and some of those things that that this program needs to fix – in order to, to be consistent, boy, the recruiting edge is one of the things that's really, really uh, way ahead of the game uh, in, in building a program that, that we all want. So, you know, it was it was pretty nice. I was very, uh, you know, thankful. Uh, I'll talk a little bit after Ryan gives his scouting report. The the Cincinnati Motor coach was uh, nice enough to give me a call back uh, and I and, and share a few things that uh, haven't already been printed um, from from him, but. This is a this is a guy that we're going to be uh, like for three four years of, of college basketball, and he's going to be productive, and we're going to be glad we have him. And to my right, analyzing players, finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. I think Harms is largely a stiff. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Boy, I picked, pegged that one correctly, didn't I? <laughs> um, no, I, I think that obviously Logan Duncan is the news of the week. And and I think that when you can pluck a guy out of Ohio when some other big programs are going after him, 
uh, particularly locally, you, you've done a good job and, you know, look, Wisconsin was in on him as well. And that's, he's the kind of guy that goes to Wisconsin and beats Indiana for three years. And you're wondering why we don't have that kind of guy, you know, when he's a junior and senior and is, is making you pay down low um, and stepping out on the floor and hitting shots when you can't guard it. Uh, so I think that was the big news. And I think that, that the Indiana coaches deserve a lot of credit for a getting a recruit when, you know, you're basically tele-recruiting at this point. And, and he was, you know, Duncan was scheduled to visit and that had to be pushed back and all that stuff. So uh, clearly they did their work here. And I think that the, the 2011, 2021 class um, obviously is coming together really well. Christian Lander obviously may reclassify. He wants to, I think we're all assuming that's going to happen, but technically he's a member still of the 2021 class. And then you've got guys like Trey Kaufman and other, and other guys they're chasing that they're clearly in the mix for. And it feels like Indiana recruiting has settled into a pattern and has finally settled into a situation where it's not chaotic. They're not scrambling at the last minute to find guys. They are establishing themselves with these guys early, getting them and, and, and being able to slot the classes perfectly as they want them and having, you know, over the four years, having three guys in every class, as you've looked on those projected scholarship charts, if, if you, as you've seen, creates balance, creates, it makes sure you're, 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 you have the old guys, you have the talented young guys and you have the mix in between. And, and that's what you want when you're running a program. It's the right way to run a program. I mean, you can, if you can get seven, five stars every year, maybe you don't do that, but Indiana wants to build a program that is, not going to have these ups and downs as we've seen in the past and is consistently improving. This is the way to do it. And you get a guy like Duncan, who's a top 80 national recruit, according to 24 seven. And by the way, when you're looking at those rankings, I would recommend to you to check 24 sevens before you check the composite, because I think 24 seven is the best and most accurate group doing it. I don't have any financial interest in that. I'm not plugging them, but I think they do the best job. So you look at that and you see a top 80 recruit, from out of state, not Indiana, but and you know from the region, committing—that's a big deal, and 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 that solidifies the post for your Trace Jackson Davis transition when he's headed off, uh, as as many expect after his sophomore year. You've got this guy coming in, and by the way, he's a guy who's improved every single year. Will only be seventeen as a senior. He's going to be turning eighteen the summer he comes to IU. There is a lot of potential for growth there, so I think it's a big. Uh, Sigh of relief for everybody in Indiana. It's okay. You've got that slot taken care of. Now you can focus on the other guys you want to fill out the class. And now you're really down to two slots. And, and I think they've got their guys targeted pretty significantly there. And they're going to go after them hard. Yeah, absolutely. So hold those thoughts on Logan Duncan. We're going to spend our entire segment number two diving deep with the scouting report. Uh, we'll spend the rest of this segment talking about the Elite Eight matchups and the greatest IU player of all time bracket, because we're having a lot of fun with that over at Inside the Hall. Uh, and then we got a bunch of questions from you. And so we will answer those at the end. All that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to that, a few quick announcements. Please continue to support our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. The promo code ASSEMBLY20 will get you 20% off anytime. I would also highly recommend following them, following them on Twitter because just a couple nights ago, they did a random flash sale giving 30% off for a three-hour window. So, you know, you just want to kind of pay attention because sometimes Connor, I think, gets bored and just decides to have a sale and you want to be able to take advantage of that. Uh, also, if you want to support a local food bank, go to foodpantries.org and feedingamerica.org. And I saw some videos of some of the lines at these food banks as people are obviously out of jobs and kids aren't going to school and need food. They need all the help they can get. So whether you can volunteer your time, donate money, whatever it is, foodpantries.org and feedingamerica.org 
are two really good organizations that will help you find a food bank in your area. And if you are participating in the rewatch series, our final two rewatches, at least for you know, kind of this grouping of them, is coming up this weekend. So Friday night, the IU UNC nineteen eighty one national championship game, and then on Sunday night, the IU Syracuse nineteen eighty seven national championship game. We will do a synchronized live rewatch. Uh, and then we will do a post-game show after. Go to assemblycall.com slash rewatch to get the details and to get the YouTube links for the rewatch. That's coming up this weekend. So, guys, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this greatest Indiana basketball player of all time bracket over at Inside the Hall. We are now down to the Elite Eight. So it's split up into four regions, the pre-night region, the night pre-85, night post-85, and post-night. In the pre-night region, it's the number one seed Don Schlunt against the number two seed Walt Bellamy, and Walt Bellamy won 62% to 38%. In the night pre-85 region, the number one seed Scott May against the number three seed Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas won 55% to 45%. So we're going to have a Walt Bellamy versus Isaiah Thomas matchup in the final four for the old guys. It'll have an Olympic feel to it. Yes. Yes, it will. And then in the younger guys bracket, in night post 85, it is the number one seed, Calvert Chaney, against the number two seed, Steve Alford. Calvert Chaney up 81% to 19%. This is the greatest moment in the history of the assembly call. Uh, and then the post night uh, era, it is Yogi against Victor. And currently, it's Victor 54% to Yogi 46%. Those two, you still have some time to vote. So you can go to Twitter or go to insidethehall.com and vote on those. I did the bracket and did the seeding, so it's pretty clear what my picks were because that's how I seeded them. So let me turn it to you guys and get your ideas. Uh, Coach, why don't you go first with your thoughts on the Elite Eight uh, and and who has won and who's in the lead in the other two matchups? Well, this is the best of all these brackets that are out there on social yeah. media. you know. And, and I have pretty much shut off brackets after all of our hard work came to a crashing end on May 12th. Uh, you, you see brackets for three months, and then you got all these other ones. So I, I don't know that I really paid all that much attention other than this one. Scott May's got to be one of the best. And, and, and I think Calbert Chaney, uh, I would have loved to have seen a final of Scott May and, and Calbert Chaney, two really smooth forwards who can shoot, score, and were dominant. Uh, you know, But, man, it's hard. There are so many great Hoosiers that uh, you, you, can, you can pick a lot of people to be uh, in this final four. Bellamy's not bad either. Um, you know, so when you get down to this, it's really hard. But um, I'd say Bellamy and, and Calbert Chaney, and you know, because Jared asked me to be on the show, I, I'm going to go with Calbert Chaney. I, I, I know, I know how to please the. Uh, you know, I want to make sure Jared feels appreciated. Okay, here, here's so, what I will say about the Calbert versus Alford thing. That that was actually the hardest one for me to seed. Like I, that one should be a fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent. Either way, the yeah. fact that it's eighty-one to nineteen shows me that some people have either forgotten how great Steve Alford was, or they're letting his post IU playing days stuff affect the. Or vote. they're just big Calbert fans. Like I mean, that you can you know now that I, the fans that, of the that show one's, that one's that one's irrational. Look, I love Calbert. I, I agree. I and I would I think Calbert is the greatest Hoosier. So he would get my vote. But that, I would one, say, that one should be a lot closer. I would say Victor and Yogi should be super close, too. I, and it I is. honestly would say yeah. that. And it, yeah. and it is. Uh, so I picked Don well, You got to go with Victor there. Yeah, I, I picked Don Schlunt mm. over over uh, Walt Bellamy. But I think, Walt. I mean, I get why Walt Bellamy would win that. Um, I mean, he know. was a better player than Schlunt, but Schlunt's numbers were just Yeah, insane. are ridiculous. And if you're yeah. talking about, are you talking about, and that's the thing is to get into this, who was the better player or who did better in college? You know, I mean, that's that's the Isaiah thing is Isaiah had this 
otherworldly ability on the floor and had, was such a unique player, especially at the time. Nowadays, he'd be a pretty normal point guard in the NBA um, with the way he played. But at that point, he was so unique and so different and ahead of his time that he maybe showed out more on the court. But I don't think you pick him there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get why people would. Um, but I, I, I picked Scott May and because he was an all around player who led to essentially undefeated teams and, you know, obviously yeah. the loss in the tournament because of his injury. Um, and then I picked, uh, I did pick Calvert over Steve Alford. I agree. I thought, I thought that would be closer. And then I picked, uh, I picked Victor over Yogi, but I think that the Victor Yogi comparison is Victor was so much flashier and so much more fun sometimes, but Yogi may have actually had the better and wound up being the better player in the NBA, but Yogi probably had the better IU career. If you look at it nuts and bolts wise, I picked Victor cause I have a, you know, I love Victor, but that's maybe not what the exercise is supposed to be. So well, a lot of those are close though. Those are all very close. Yeah. So I would think Calvert's going to win the whole thing. Cause Calvert, in my opinion is, you know, I think he's going to, you know, I, I don't know. I think that Calvert's probably going to win the, the whole thing. And I think that he's probably the pick to win. It. Yeah. You know, any, any exercise like that is difficult because criteria matters. And there's you know, recency bias and there's and the voting was done on Twitter. So selection bias. I mean, there's all and, kinds and people, of stuff. And in that. it's who people maybe people grew up in the era where they got to watch Calvert more than the other guys or didn't watch old videos of certain guys, you know, so yeah. Don Schlunt, you can't even find video of him playing, you know, like it's so it's you understand why uh, maybe he did. And all of us older enough to know some of those older dudes probably aren't even on Twitter. I'm, you know, I'm probably one of the rare, you know. <laughs> grandpa's on Twitter. So it's always you youngins that are voting. Yep. Well, if you want to participate in that and follow along as we go into the final four, go to inside the hall.com uh, hat tip to cam Drummond, Dylan Wallace, our student interns who have really been doing a lot of the legwork on that. After I, you know, put the bracket together, they've kind of taken it from there. Those guys have done a great job. So it's fun. Just a fun way to, uh, to pass the time, but let's, uh, Let's get to a scouting report, fellas. If you guys are cool with that, it is time to dive deep into our scouting report of Logan Duncan. What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? What are the intangibles? We watch tape. Ryan's got copious notes. We talk to his coach. We will talk about it all next. Stick with us here on the Assemble Call. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey, this is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a Duke big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Deron. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob chat mobbers. during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all of the between-segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. 
I'm Gerard Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach. Gerard, it never gets old, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it just never gets old. It doesn't. Neither just thinking back to Deron Davis dominating Duke big men either. So that is, that is always a good memory. Um, all right, guys. It is time to do our scouting report of Logan Duncan. We talked a lot about him in the first segment, so this doesn't need a whole lot of preamble. Ryan, let's start with you. Tell us about Logan Duncan. Uh, 6'9", 225 center out of Archbishop Muller in Cincinnati. Uh, he's a kid who, while 6'9", and probably done growing just by the eye test, he's got some length to him, and, and he certainly has longer arms than a than a 6'9", big man typically would have. Um, I think that will help him uh, if he doesn't continue to grow, because I, I don't think he is, just given his body type. He looks like he's pretty set in, in his size. There's certainly room for him to, to add, pack on some more pounds, though, athletically, you know, pack on some muscle and 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 maybe some lower body strength. He's he's pretty built in his upper body and works with it pretty well. He swings and goes over both shoulders uh, on shots, and he's pretty decisive with his shoulders when he makes a move. Uh, but I think that there's lower body strength to get there. You see him, he, he doesn't have much of a vertical, but I think that there's room there to add to it. Um, you know, just offensively, the one thing that stood out to me is he runs the floor. And we've said repeatedly on here, if you are a parent of a high schooler or a middle schooler, big man, or if you're a young big man yourself and you happen to be watching this, run the floor. You run the floor, you'll add four, six, eight points a game of cheap points just getting down the down the court. This kid does that. And, he, and it, reminds, it reminds me of when Cody Zeller was entering college. That was what everybody said. That kid runs the floor faster than anybody gets down there. Duncan isn't fast. He just tries hard. He just beats guys down the floor with effort. And, and that's huge because, you know, when you have a physical advantage and you do it, guys tend to get lazy with it and, and, and jog. He pushes himself to get down the floor. And I think that's really something as a guy, you want a team with hard workers. Archie Miller loves that. That's the kind of guy you want, and he found one here. Uh, offensively, has great hands in the post. He he doesn't let the ball come to him or catch it in his chest. He reaches out, plucks the ball, then sets up his offense from there. Uh, that helps. You won't get the ball poked out from behind. You won't have guys hanging all over you. He goes out and gets that ball when there's an entry pass and, and makes himself available too, which is another thing that we've seen IU big struggle with in the past. He makes himself available, walls off the defender, gets into position, gets the ball. If he sees an opening to the inside and his, his, his defender is playing the top side, he puts the hand up, he leans, he gets room to catch the pass and go to the hoop. Um, really nice touch around the basket with both hands too. He can finish with both hands. He's right hand dominant, but can finish with both hands when he needs to. Um, also not afraid to dunk it, but again, he doesn't have much vertical lift. I think that again, Cliff Marshall is going to have to unlock that with him. And we've seen, you know, guys come in and, and, and up their vertical really quickly just by doing different workouts. Um, he uses a lot of different angles off the glass. He has a really good feel for that with his touch. He can do it really, you know, what looks like almost an impossible angle. He can find it off the backboard and in, he can also cut back to the middle and is comfortable with sort of a jump hook going right over. So he's not yeah. all backboard all the time. It's a mix. And that's, that's, what's encouraging about a kid who's you know going to be 17 this summer. He's already got a pretty mature game as far as his shooting goes. Um, as I said, can go over both shoulders. He can use both hands. He can spin both ways. Versatility in the post. You need that in the big 10. Certainly. Um, he gets great position and squares up uh, when he has the back to the basket. I mentioned that he walls guys off, makes sure that he's got room to work when he gets the ball. A lot of young big men don't do that. They just rely solely on their size and length. Um, 
I think he's a strong finisher, could get stronger. That's a criticism of every high school kid. Got to get stronger going to the basket because of the 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 difference in strength they're going to be facing. But I think he's he's pretty good. And he doesn't quit on plays. You see, there's one highlight where he gets knocked completely on his butt. And, you know, his his defender kind of starts focusing on somebody else. He gets up wide open, goes and dunks it. And it's, you know, you're a big guy. It takes a lot to to move that body up when you fall down. And you could just give up on the offensive play. He doesn't. He's relentless and keeps working hard. Uh, he can find open cutters offensively, but that's not really his game. But I think that it's starting to he's starting to get better at because I looked at, at film from his freshman and sophomore years and then his junior years. He's more aware of the court around him. You can see him kicking out to shooters. You can see him giving the ball to to guys cutting off of him, certainly gaining a more mature approach as he gets older. Um, he can step out. I like the release on his jump shot. He gets good rotation, but his feet are squared away from the basket. That's something he's going to have to work on, get his shoulders square to the hoop. His feet are kind of angled at a weird way away from the hoop and he does it repeatedly. So it's just a bad habit they're going to have to work on. But this guy has touch out on the floor. I don't think he's going to be a face-up guy, but he's a guy who could maybe pick and pop as he gets a little older and and that, you know, can wind up being a mature part of his game. But he he has a good release on his shot, has soft touch. I like it. It's just he's got to work on squaring up in the fundamentals and the footwork. Do, um, do you need a breath? No, I'm good. You good? Okay. I'm good, man. Just checking. I've been working on this all day, all right? <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, that the other thing is uh, offensively, he's always ready for the basketball. That's one thing that offensively that is great is that, you know, he's always looking like the ball is going to come to him. And I think that that is a, uh, I, I think that's important for a young big man because you, you get to the next level. The ball moves a lot faster. If you're not ready for it, you're going to miss it. We've seen IU bring guys in who just don't have good hands and aren't, aren't ready for the basketball. And, and he is. Do you want to jump in here or should I just keep going? I'm fine if you guys want to jump no, in. No, you're you know what I was thinking though? We need to get some background music for these. Like you know how ESPN when they're doing their little packages, yeah, Jay sure. and they're showing and highlights. Actually, I think that's NFL primetime music. But you yes, know, something, something behind it. Anyway. So uh, rebounding, big thing for him. He is a relentless rebounder. He goes after the ball again. Walls guys off and then goes up and plucks the ball. A lot of young big men wait for the ball to fall into their lap or they just stand where they are. He goes up and gets the ball. He's an aggressive offensive rebounder, which, again, I use had success with that with with Trace Jackson Davis and with other guys. That can be a huge part of his game is just going up and cleaning up mistakes. We've seen Race Thompson do that a lot this year. Like it's just it's an easy way to get extra possessions and extra points. He does a lot of that. Um and again, doesn't wait for the ball to come down. He goes and gets it. And and it's you'd think when you're six nine and you're a head taller than everybody else, you don't need to do that. He does it. He's got the right mindset. Um, as far as his athleticism, not a great athlete. I would say he's 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 fine. He's solid. That needs to improve. There are areas to unlock more athleticism. Um, and again, worth noting, and we mentioned that he's going to be eighteen the summer he he gets to IU. So he's got more maturity and more growing to do uh, mentally and, you know, possibly physically Um, defensively needs to add some lateral quickness. That was the one thing takeaway, especially in IU's defense where you've got, you know, a lot of high hedging and things like that. Got to add lateral quickness. He's not slow footed, but he's just not quick side to side needs to needs to improve. And, and, and that's really the big red flag that I saw. I don't think it's devastating. It's not, he's not Joey Brunk where he's, he's just physically can't do it. I think that it's just going to take some time and development. Um, I think that he, 
he does fight on defense. That was the other thing I wanted to point out is that he works on defense and, and he's a willing defender. He's not a shot blocker. He's not Tracy Jackson Davis. where He's just going to be swatting balls constantly. He's a guy who is a willing defender, has some length, so he'll get some blocks, but he's not a guy who's just looking to, to swat the ball out of bounds. He does. He is a willing defender. Again, physical maturity and, and some more athleticism will help him with that. Um, but he's a solid defender, solid post defender, room to grow was my note on it. Um, my final notes on him. He's a hardworking, true center at six, nine. It may th- seem like he's small. He's definitely a true center. He can step out on the floor and he'll probably again, do some pick and pops type stuff. Be one of those versatile, as I mentioned, Wisconsin type centers who tend to kill Indiana. Um, he has a great motor, works the floor, relentless rebounder, um, and has good touch around the hoop. and. There's more to come with possible physical development was my last note. And uh, I just think that he's, he's a guy who, if you're looking at who in IU history he compares to, uh, Thomas Bryant, uh, you know, whoever down the line, the guy I said was he's a notch below Cody Zeller at everything, but he's the same if you strip away some of the extra, you know, Cody was an outstanding athlete and Cody was a little bit bigger and Cody had some really maybe a little bit higher basketball IQ. You strip some of those things away and you look at the basic basketball player they are, it's a very similar creation. He's just not as physically gifted as Cody. So he's not going to be that first round top five pick, but he's a guy who plays the same kind of game as Cody. That was what stood out to me on film. I hate player comps. There you go. It was a good one though. Get that man some cereal. That was a great scouting report. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All right, so Coach Ryan just gave us an in-depth look at his strengths and weaknesses. I agree with with all that based on you know just watching some film of him. Obviously, I haven't seen him play in person. You got a chance to talk to his coach and coaches, I believe, who have coached against him. What what did you learn about him? Well, the the Cincinnati Catholic League is really a good league, so you're playing against good competition. So when you see fourteen point one points per game, no, they got four or five other Division One players uh, on their team, and they're playing in a league that is tough too and he doesn't need to get 25 points a game uh for them and he did have some games over 20 um but I, but I have uh, coached against um the head coach at Cincinnati St. Xavier uh, which is a, a, a in his first year he's turning that around and they played him and I think that guy he he put the Jaron Cumberland kid um he coached him and that's the kid at Cincinnati that played really well so he's had some division 1 and and the opposing coach, he just said he's just relentless. And you see that in every article inside the hall, and, and, and Ryan's talking about it. And, and I put the quote, the actual quote, it, it had some colorful language in it about how hard he goes to the glass. And, and the opposing coach said he's a lot more athletic than people think he is. Uh, he, you know, and, and so when you hear an opposing coach say, you know, he was our number one uh, person on the scouting report, and boy, he's, he's really going to be good for Indiana – uh, and this guy has sent people to the college game and, and works closely with all the all the college coaches. You you know that's for real. And then when you talk to the head coach, you know, the head coach, they're going to call you and say good things about the guy who just committed to Indiana. He's not going to call and point out the, the bad things. So you, you got to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. And I'm not going to repeat everything that has been already published in many articles. But the things that stood out, he, he said all of those things to me, too, about um, how, how tough he is and everything, but he backs down from no one. Uh, and the fact that that comment was made after his, his freshman year during summer league play, he was 15 years old and he backed down from no one is very, very important. And the highest grades, it was mentioned, Ryan mentioned it, but when he grades his, all the players out, 
the percentage of times he went hard to the glass. Um, and that's not just that he goes hard, but he goes hard almost all the time, fits into to what has been said, um, and sprinting up and down the, the floor both ways is, is the best grades. And so, you know, what Ryan is seeing and what we're reading in the paper, uh, th- those are all things. But a couple couple things that I, I tried to ask some coaching things that I really liked, and his coach said he has the ability to play proper angles in the post, which is very, very important. And it's part of the reason he can go right, he can go left. But he gets set and he gets the defense on his shoulder, on his back, on a side, and he understands when that pass is coming in to make that move. Instead of a lot of post players just stand straight up, catch, and then they have a defender right behind him, and then they got to bully their way in, he has a knack for understanding where the defense is and positioning his body. And so angles – and That's the Ryan part that reminds me about Zeller is the understand yeah. that's what really jumped out. And he cuts to the open spots uh, when, yeah. when players drive. And, and Ryan brought up his passing – and the opposing coach also said, boy, he has ability to pass, post-to-post passing and to kick out for, for threes when uh, he, he was doubled. It was amazing to me watching the tape. He wasn't doubled a lot, which means there were really good players out on the perimeter that the opposing teams didn't want to double off of. Um, and, and so that speaks of, of Moeller's Does that make uh, things easier? There. Does that help offenses? Oh, my gosh, yeah, uh, <laughs> and we need to get to it. A, a couple other things real quick. He talked again about hedging the ball screens. He thinks that's the best thing that he does defensively is hedge the ball screens, which should make all of our fans really, really happy. And he, and he says, you look at them, and coaches think they can put them in ball screens, but they live to regret it. Uh, and that's what, what their his coach said. And, and he said the stuff about practice. We've read it in a lot of articles where he doesn't take reps off. But um, he was talking about defending, and he said, you know, he, he's not the best defender out on the perimeter right now, but he wants to be. He wants to come out and challenge. And the quote that I, that I really liked that I put in the notes was that his coach said he's in attack mode all the time, both offensively and defensively. You can he's tell. He's going to attack. He's going to attack. And it might not get the job done if he's, you know, switched on to a guard out in the perimeter. Uh, and then the other thing that his coach said, you know, um, he's good right now and he's good for us, but the college level is a whole different thing and he's going to have to prove it uh, at the college level. But he said, Brian, I firmly believe that he wants it so bad that he will get there at some point and, and probably sooner than later. Um, and, and that, that's the thing that I'm really hanging on. And then I asked him about Archie and, and, and coach Kramer really loves Archie, been around Archie. His son was a manager uh, for four years, um, for Archie. And he said, uh, he's known the family. Uh, and he said that Duncan has tough Archie Miller fundamentals right now. That was music and, to your and, ears, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. You know, um, talking about Archie Miller type of guys and we've beat that excuse into the, into the ground, but I think there is some, some truth to that. Um, you're getting guys that will, come to practice wanting to get better, wanting to work on their deficiencies, wanting to win, wanting to play every rep, and and not to be critical of some of the guys that have come through, but that's hard in college uh, to find those guys, and I think that's what Archie's trying to do in recruiting, and with Leo and Galloway and those guys, it is showing he's getting those types of guys, and I just hope that it pays off, and it has to, uh, otherwise, you know, things are going to go a different direction, so... It was really nice. I appreciate the coach calling. Um, uh, I appreciate uh, Coach Noska at St. Xavier uh, for hooking me up. And, and the coach just called me. I, I texted him. He called me right back. No hesitation. Uh, and so that tells me, too, that this guy really wants to promote his player. 
and all good coaches do that, but he really was excited for Logan, and, and I think that's pretty good for Indiana as well. So, you know, we broke down a lot of the things he can do. You know, the way that I want to bottom line it, right? I want to see if you agree with this. Like, as I said in the opening, he's a high-floor player. So, I yes. mean, you know, worst-case scenario, he's going to come in and look, for example, what Hunter Mosquera Parade did as a junior. Six and a half points, 4.3 rebounds. Like, he was moderately productive. You know, like, the floor for Logan Duncan is that, right? And he's probably going to be better than that, maybe as soon as his sophomore year. Totally different types of player, but I'm just talking about the production. Sure. No, what can it. what can take him from contributor to like a potential all Big Ten player as an upperclassman, which is what we've seen some of these types of players grow into at other programs is, is he going to be able to face up and make jump shots? That's going to be big. Is he going to have the strength to take the game in, game out pounding in the Big Ten? And defensively, you know, I know coach that his coach said that he could defend ball screens and he's really good at it. As I think everybody does, we want to see it against Big Ten level athletes, yep. you know. And so those right. are the three big questions, and that's why he's ranked 80th. You know, if if any of those three things were better, he would be much higher because he's got right. all that other stuff. So I think it's very. I think we should be excited about him, and everybody does seem excited about him. But those are the three reality checks to me that he's going to have to really prove if he's going to be, you know, that next level type player. Well, given that he's not a ridiculous athlete. The key for him is going to be growth. How does he make that keep continue yeah. that steady growth that he's had since his Friday? Again, watch t- tape on him as a, a freshman, a sophomore, and a junior. You see the improvement. It is demonstrative. I mean, it's it's there. Every year, something gets better, and it's usually multiple parts of his game. How's he going to grow his junior to his senior year? I mean, we don't know. We haven't seen him you know, play. We, we probably won't see him play, may not this summer, but it'll be next fall, hopefully, and, and winter that we see some more progress from him. If he keeps doing that, then his ranking is going to rise. It's going to continue to go up, and it has gone up. And then the key for him is going to be when he gets to college. You know, people think you grow a lot, and then he gets to college, and you're it, no, you got to you got to double that in college to keep up with everybody. And so it's going to be about his work ethic. And what, what makes me again not worry about him is everybody says he has this really great work ethic, and it shows on the floor. He works hard on the floor, even though he's not a ridiculous athlete. And when you get a ridiculous athlete who works hard, you see the exponential growth. With this guy, it's little things you start to see that he just outworks other guys. And if he's doing that at the college level with possibly a little more athleticism unlocked and some other things, it's going to be a player you really like to watch. But as far as being a low floor player, I agree. Uh, you know, he reminds me of you know Anthony Leal's that way. Anthony high floor Leal's player, in, high floor, or high high floor player, uh, and and you know low sort of. There's going to be no uh, chance that he's a bad player for Indiana. That's you know, it, it, there's a low chance of that. And I would say that Anthony Leal is a similar guy who has a very high floor as a player. How will he? Who will he wind up being? That's up to him. And that's that's the same. It's up to Duncan how good he's going to be. The last couple of centers at Moeller, I believe, um, I didn't verify this, but I, I have it in my notes from one of these conversations. I think the opposing coach was Nate Fowler, who beat out Joey Brunk, I think, at Butler, and Jackson Hayes, who went to Texas, played for a year or two, and then got drafted into the NBA. So when Moeller goes to get new centers, uh, they're putting centers into big-time college basketball that can be productive. And, and, I, and I think Duncan is – going to be Brunk's motor with better skills. 
Uh, how much better um, we'll see with the development and playing against college kids. I don't think he's like, like TJD coming in and getting, you know, double-doubles like crazy and dominating uh, as a freshman. But I think by the time he's a senior, he's going to have that motor and he's going to be just um, a, a really integral part of Indiana's, um, you know, success. I should have known that the chat mob could not responsibly handle a Hunter Mascara Perea player comment. I shouldn't. I just shouldn't have done it. I derailed everything right. in there. After all this time, you still don't have them <laughs> I, pegged. I know. It's... I know. You would think. Um, the last thing I want to say about him, and I know you mentioned this, but I just want to underscore it again because, man, it jumps off when you watch the highlights. His arms, man. They just go Very forever. Long. But what's, what's interesting about that, you know, his arms and the way that he's able to get the ball up on the basket, you know, you know, up on the up on the rim, reminds me a lot of Thomas Bryant. Actually, Thomas Bryant had an incredible ability from weird angles to get the ball up on the rim softly, so it would go in. And if you remember about Cody Zeller, you know, Cody Zeller had so many good things, but he had those short arms. So you talked about how mm -hmm. Cody Zeller physically yeah. is better, and he was in almost every area. But those short arms gave him problems. He would get position, but he would struggle to get the ball up because of that. And so that's one advantage Duncan is going to have. Those long arms are really going to help him just be able to get the ball up on the rim more. Um, and with that touch, you know, yeah. he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to score some points down there. For sure. And I think one thing that Coach said that is, is great is he attacks. You see it in the post. He gets the ball out quickly. Like he catches the ball and he wants to go. It's not, there's none of this like four dribble weight around. Another thing I love about him too, is he catches the ball high as a big man. And he never drops it below his waist. So when he's making a post move, he'll dribble. But if he gets the ball in the post, he catches it about chest high or, or higher. He's not bringing it down. He goes straight back up. He's not letting it put it on the floor where guys can knock it away. Yeah. And that's just good coaching. And that's good. You know, he's listening to coaching and improving and, and taking, you know, instruction. And yeah. uh, so that's and his all shot great will get signs. Better. And his shot will get better. You know, he's got to get some things straightened out with his feet. But his release when he was younger was a lot lower. And then mm -hmm. last year, the release got a little bit higher. And Coach said that he trusts him at 15 feet this year to shoot. He, they run some five out a little bit and rolled him into the post. And they popped him to 15 feet a little bit this year instead of just sticking him in the post. And the plan next year is to go further out. He only took seven threes this year. Uh, yeah. But he said he's going to have not the green, green light, but he's going to be able to win open shoot instead of telling him not to shoot like probably a sophomore year so it, that's a sign of the development that he's putting into his game that he'll need to do in order to play against college um college type players and, and again you just gotta you gotta trust that um a lot of times players come in and recruits come in and they're 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 athletic and talented but you're not sure the work ethic never changes someone doesn't come to college and stop working no. Um, so, so the guy's going to get better over time. And I think that's shown in his high school career. We've got a recommended uh, nickname for him as stretch because of those long arms. And I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. I want to, I want to try it out a little bit, you know, <laughs> I want to test it a little, see how it sounds, but, uh, you know, I, I'm good with that one. All right. Coming up in our third segment, we are going to answer your questions. We do have a mediocre question this week, so we will get to that about what IU recruit we were the most irrationally excited about. And then does IU need another big man in the 2020 or 2021 class? That and more. Stick with us on the Assembly Call. No, that was, that was really long. Like, your, before we even said anything to you, it was like we were at like eight minutes. I mean, that was one of your longer ones. It was good. I mean, I'm not, it's not a bad thing, but it was. Really? Yeah. It's it was, way shorter written. Way shorter. You're going to show people your paper? I'm going to show yeah. off your notes? Hold them up there. 
There you go. There they are. There. No, it's... Send those to the Smithsonian. Second page. And you bring up Honor. Um, God, I really wish I hadn't now. <laughs> no, but my son was a manager down there when Honor was there, and he'd pick him up from class and bring him back to cook all, and Brandon said his knees were... All the way up to in the back seat of Brandon's small car. He oh just man, like, I bet. Sandwich in a back car. That guy had such physical ability; it was insane. I remember when he was a recruit, he was dunking on a thirteen-foot hoop, like just for funsies. Like, what the hell? Basketball <laughs> instincts matter, though. Skill yeah, matters. No, they do. You know? It's not all about physical, and that's the one yeah. thing I, I do love about this guy and some of the other guys that that Archie's bringing in is you see the development, you see them playing better year to year. And you also see them, you know, taking their games to levels that might be beyond their physical capacity. And then you realize when they hit the college weight program, it's going to go to a whole other level because you can unlock extra athleticism. That's a myth. Is it like if you're unathletic at 16 and you're not a super athlete, you can't get any better. That's a myth. I mean, Thomas Bryant, what is his vertical improved by like 20 inches his first year at Indiana? I mean, it's well, that's it was not possible. <laughs> no, it was huge. It was like it was he went from like having like a 10 inch vertical to having like it being like 25 or something like that. It was a huge story that year that like they had actually used the and the way they did it was they opened up his flexibility yeah. and then he was jumping a differently. I mean, it wasn't that he physically, you know, his body all of a sudden could do it. It was that physically like they they opened up his flexibility and he was able to use more of his body into his jump and he was getting higher. And that's absolutely true. And people in the chat are agreeing with me like that, that can happen. You just can't be, you know, and it's not all about lifting weights and things like that. It's about all the various things you can do to to improve your body. There is not one person in the chat that is agreeing with you on this. Brett Gearhart just said, I remember that. (laughs) All right. It's been a long time since I've accessed my flexibility. (laughs) Yeah, I wish someone would say that about me. Boy, he's got some athletic ability to unlock. Yeah. (laughs) It's not something anyone ever said about me. I feel bad. All I can do is put logs on the fire, right, Richie? (laughs) Oh, man. Where is that one? Coach is a lot like Justin Smith when it comes to building a fire. (laughs) Man, you guys, Richie was great. Because, I mean, by the time the logs needed to be put on the fire, I was feeling really good. And I'd grab a log and I'd just like kind of like toss it on the fire and it'd bounce and it'd miss. I mean, I'm like point blank. And he just started busting my chops every time we had a fire pit. By the way, Ryan, did you hear this from Richie last week? Uh, I was kind of sad he wasn't going to be here because I was wanting him to interrupt me. No, I, I, I mean, I, I listened. Done, I listened back to it. Yeah, I let me just jump in real quick. Yeah, <laughs> and you just interrupted his drop. So there you go, there Richie. You go. Ryan just <laughs> Ryan interrupted you. Okay, so by the way, we're gonna get to segment three here in just a minute. I do want to tease something. So I put something together that we'll do during assembly AC after dark. It might be a total disaster. I have no idea, but you know, it's oh, the that's off always season. a good way to start. I'm just proposal. saying. I, I'm just. I'm gonna try to set expectations low. So I that, got something for you guys in the chat, mob, <laughs> no, but it's going to suck. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's going to suck. I, 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 maybe about three weeks ago, I took a drive to Costco and the local radio station did something. And I'll explain what it was. And I sat in my car just laughing hysterically at this. And I was like, I got to try and find a way to do this for, assemb- for the assembly call. So I tried it. We will play it at the end of the night. If you guys think it's terrible, if everybody hates it, we'll stop it immediately. But I thought it was really funny when I was listening to it. So I just want to tease that. So don't leave. Don't go away. We're going to do that at the end of the night. And we'll see if it's funny. 
I thought it was hilarious. So if nothing else, it'll entertain me. But hopefully everybody likes it. Hold on for just one second. Why do we have to hold on? Because he's talking to Madeline. Why doesn't he just mute himself and talk to her? I did mute, but I'm saying <laughs> hold on before going to the next segment. Hi, Madeline. All right. So, wow. Brett Gerhardt. Brett. How much are you paying Brett Gerhardt to like get sources for your crazy claims? He said Terry Hutchins wrote about it on October 6, 2016. So you've got he's got sources now that are backing you up. I, because I it's said something that was right. I like how you're upset that I said something. Time has proven me right on back. virtually everything. No, no, no. There I, you go. <laughs> Brett, Brett is a Ryan plant. <laughs> yeah, he is. My hands have not been on the keyboard Sorry, in a while. I appreciate Sorry, it, Brett. Brett. Okay, now, okay here, here's it. the issue. So here's, here's my issue with this because he's actually got the quote. It says, Thomas has really gotten better athletically. At 14 months or 14 and a half months, his vertical has gone up 13 inches. And I've never been around anybody who's done that. Maybe take it with a little grain of salt that, or grain of salt that it was Crane possibly over promoting. That just seems like I, a crazy. I just, I just looked it up, and Bryant had a thirty-three inch vertical at the combine, and he talked about it then. I don't remember what he said then, but he said, "Yeah, yeah I've gotten much more athletic over the last couple of years." Like, yeah. I, no, no, know, I, I don't. don't I, yeah, and that shouldn't be overshadowed. I'm not. I'm agreeing with the qualitative part of your statement. Yeah, that yeah, number no. just seems a little outlandish to me. And I, you but, know, I threw out a, it improved by twenty inches. I was being a little over. You know, let's face it. Over enthusiasm. You, you tend to embellish that. the inches. That's okay. There you we, go. That's all right. Whoa. Whoa. I also readjusted down to 15 inches as well. Uh, I'm not talking. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, get in trouble with Amy if you talk right now. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup even during the offseason and after every game. We send out a detailed post-game analysis even after these rewatch games. Uh, just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, time for the mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. And let's start where we always start with this segment. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. That's where we start when Jay actually submits a question, which he did. Uh, so Jay says, who was the IU recruit that you were the most irrationally excited about? It can't be someone that everyone was excited about, like Gordon, Zeller, Romeo, Yogi, etc. He said, for me, I think it was Ben Allen, a seven-footer that could theoretically shoot threes. Uh, so what about you guys? What recruit were you irrationally excited about that you recall? Um, I was the, when I was the columnist at, the IDS, we got Ben Allen came in. That was a good one. And Ben could have been good. He kind of, he got a kind of got his head messed with by different coaching staffs. 
but uh, Jem Dinch came in and they talked about how he was this insanely versatile six nine athletic shooter. And that dude was athletic. I watched him play a lot, uh, like in rec centers and stuff, like in the offseason. He was super athletic couldn't shoot a lick and they kept talking about how he, he was a crazy shooter who could dunk and do all this stuff and i think he barely played at iu if he did but everybody was like that guy's the missing piece and and like like analysts were saying that and then yeah we got nothing out of him that's true coach who was it for you uh oh, i'm gonna go back to honor um bring him up again it's not a it's bad one not, yeah but everybody I was mean, excited about him I mean, we, you know, he was like a five-star prospect when he when he committed. All right, all right, Chris Lawson, Chris Lawson, or any Chris Lawson was one, and then you just go back to anything in the movement. You know, you thought that whole five was going to come back. Hollowell was one. Yeah, Hollowell was one. Patterson was one. You're irrational because you're like, you know, we had the the good run in twelve and thirteen, and these guys were going to be the next good run, and we're back, and we're there, and then it just fell apart. Yeah. For me, I've got two of them. So one is recent, and that was Clifton Moore. Because if you remember, before he arrived, he actually showed up on a mock draft because he had played so well at that Jordan Brand game. He was in the first yep. round of Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft. Like, not just any you know anybody. Gavoni is like the guy KD that does it at ESPN. Yeah. yeah, and obviously that didn't work out, although hopefully he has a good career at LaSalle. And then the other one going back is Malcolm Sims who was a freshman on the 93 team, didn't play very much, but I just remember young me that knew nothing about nothing was just really excited about him. And I had the little, uh, you know, little set of trading cards and there was a Malcolm Sims card in there. So I was really excited about him. He ended up transferring to Cleveland state, you know, had a decent career there, but never really played for Indiana. Um, Del Brooks. Del Ray yeah. Brooks was a guy I played against in high school and didn't amount to much. No, but he was a great recruit at the time. I and mean, he was Mr. Basketball and he was a top recruit. Uh, let's see. Let's get Patrick's question. Does IU need another big in the 2020 or 2021 class? So if you look right now, projected bigs on the roster. So for next year, you've got Joey Brunk, Race Thompson, and Trace Jackson Davis, you know, bigs on the roster. The year after that, if Trace goes as we expect that he will, then for 2022, you've got Race Thompson and Logan Duncombe. And then looking beyond that, Duncombe is the only guy that you have projected. So Ryan... What do you think? They need one more. I think, uh, I think yeah. that it's going to, I mean, the guy they're going after, it's not a secret. They're all in on Trey Kaufman and they would love to get him. And he's, he's different than Duncan. He's not a back to the basket guy. He's a stretch four kind of guy, but he's big and he, he qualifies as that front court, big man guy. Uh, that's the guy they want. And if they don't get him, I'm sure they'll go after somebody else in that same kind of mold. That's an inside out guy, but that that's, they're definitely Archie clearly thinks they need another one. Cause that's who they're going after. Do you, I mean, do you call him a big really? I mean, well, he's six, nine, you know, six, eight, six, nine, and, and he's versatile. I mean, it, you know, race Thompson is a big, but he can step out on the floor. It's and race can play more back to the basket than Trey can. Um, Trey is more of a big man than Justin Smith. I'd say, you know, but they're probably not that different size wise all around. Uh, but you know, Smith yeah. is more of a perimeter guy. And, and I think that, Kaufman can defend. I big is almost always defined by who you guard. Yes. And, and that's and what he's I mean. Gonna guard, he's going to guard a four yeah. um, likely and probably can't guard a three, but he's not going to be a, you know, he's not going to sub in at center. No, no, but, but we'll need someone for elite for the year after that can guard some bigs so uh, that it's agreed. not just dunk them. So it's an, it's more depth uh, yeah. at that, but yeah, Kaufman is not a, a back to the basket traditional big 10 big guy. My coach, we got about a minute left here. 
from Tyler. If Christian Lander does reclassify, who do you predict to get more minutes as an average by the end of the year? Lander, Armand Franklin, or Trey Galloway? It's a good question. I, I think if you bring Lander, it is, and there's reasons you can go every single person. I think Lander, if you bring him in as a five-star, has got to get minutes yeah. and, and should get minutes uh, unless he has to develop somehow. But I don't think he reclassifies to come in and not get minutes. And then the question is, you know, Trey's the toughness guy. Can he handle college going from high school to college? I can see him getting a lot of minutes. But I think Armand has shown that he can step up, fixes some of his deficiencies. I think he's going to have a key role next year, too. So I think they're all going to get good minutes. Lander gets the most. I just think I love Trey. I just think he's going to have to show that he can shoot because with the bigs that we have that aren't shooters, we can't afford a lot of minutes from ball handlers and wings that can't shoot the ball. You know, and Armand certainly projects as a better shooter. We know Lander can shoot. So that's where, for all of Trey's positives, he's going to have to prove he can shoot, I think, to get real consistent minutes early on. Trey's a guy who's going to play more as his career goes on. I mean, I think that he's a guy who he's going to come in and play freshman minutes. He's yeah, he'll play because he can defend. Yeah. He's not going to play, for, he's, but he's going to he's going to be, again, the model for playing like a freshman is OG Ananobi and, and, and Juwan Morgan. That's what these guys have to do. Yeah, Trey might get Armand Franklin type minutes from this right. year, yes. you know, and have some have some big spurts where he has some moments. All right, that's going to have to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Friday night for the IU North Carolina 1981 rewatch. Until then. Take it from me, Coach Thompson's sidekick. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I don't like carrots. <laughs> Oh, that drop is always wonderful. That's one big ass sidekick. Who's man. on the uh, Who's on the rewatches <laughs> this weekend? Um, let's see. Who's doing? You're Are you doing it tomorrow, Coach? Do we decide on that? I think that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to switch yes. it out. Yeah, I'm done. But so I was. Yeah, you're you sure, done. Are, next. are you sure Andy didn't want to host one more? Let's. I know his. I know his internet. We'll find out from power, but if he he wanted to host, he was scheduled to host. Um, yeah, we'll Sunday. we'll find out one of them because I had talked to him about switching to tomorrow too. So we'll find okay, out. So if if he wants to give it to him, yeah, Chris, uh, Scott, and Chris, I think are on Fridays, and then Galen is going to be back for Sundays, and then cool. our crew. Um, all right, so let's hit these other questions here real quick. Um, okay, this is from JD. How do I interpret recruiting rankings outside the top 30 or 40? It seems like the chances of someone 40 to 140 having a good college career are about the same. Am I missing something? I think JD's on the right track here. You know, I yep. think all those guys, they're going to be missing something. And maybe the further that you go down the list, they might be missing a couple of things. And so that's where I think with those recruits, fit makes such a big impact like i think the top yep. guys the top 30 guys are going to go be successful anywhere pretty much yep though the guys that are a little bit lower they've got to have a fit that minimizes their weaknesses and maximizes their strength so like luca garza at iowa that was a really good that was a great place for him to go because they don't care about defense anyway and they get him the ball in a position to accentuate his offense it was a perfect place for him to go so he can be what was he the hundredth best recruit but he can play like an all-american you know so fit really makes a big difference for those guys um I think another uh, another aspect you have to consider when you're when you're looking at those lists is where do they come from? Who was their competition? Guys get a lot of yeah. 
uh, like get pushed up if they've played good competition. A good thing, Deron Davis, you watch his high school film. There's no way that guy should be outside the top 25 based on what he did in high school. If you're watching the film, he played in Colorado and didn't play anybody. And so first of all, they're not going to send somebody out just to watch him play in Colorado. They got to wait for an AAU tournament where he might not do as well because it's better competition than he's used to. And so, you know, but you watch his high school film, that guy dominated everybody and it wasn't close. But again, the competition level has a lot to do with it. And I think also where they're from, if they're from Indiana, if they're from a good program in Indiana, they're going to get elevated over guys who play at maybe a smaller school in Indiana, regardless of their skill level, you just get downgraded for, the size of your school, you know, uh, is it, do you typically turn out good play? Does that program typically turn out good players? Then you know that what this guy's showing is probably for real. So there's a lot of factors that go into that, but yeah, once you get past that top 30, top 40, it really is a crapshoot and it's all about preference, you know, because you're going to get two guys at scout who really like one guy and three guys who really like another guy. And they're going to rate that guy higher but it's just you've seen them different times. You've seen them different places against different competition. It's hard. It really is an inexact science. You know that that's a really good point um, because that's why a lot of people like Indiana players because the, the top level competition, the four A competition, is solid. That's why so you, you're glad about Duncan playing in the Catholic League at, at in Cincinnati uh, and playing against some of those uh, the teams on their schedule. That that they're not playing. Um, you know, smaller schools and building stats that way. And, um, but it's also, you know, I never used to be an AAU guy when I first started coaching because kids would go off to AAU and they enjoy their AAU more than their high school. And, and I still would argue that the high school coach can be more of a help than, than an AAU guy. And, and there's some shady, not some, but a lot of shady stuff going on with <laughs> AAU. But the good thing about AAU is when my son started playing, uh, I remember watching Derek Elston and, and we coached against him. And he was great, uh, but we triple teamed him, and he struggled. Well, you're not getting triple teamed when you're playing AAU because it's yeah. ten great guys on the court at one time. And now you can see what a, a young man can do that is more likely in college when they're playing similar. Yeah, talent. better teammates. Yeah, and so um, you know, I'm sure that affects you know um, the, the the rankings. And then you know, a kid has a bad weekend. Uh, and, and uh, some scouting service sees him and he drops five, 10, 15 spots in, in that person's, uh, ranking. And, and so I think the the numbers, I don't know if I agree totally with the numbers, but I think that the questioner was really close. The, the 40 through 140 are just, they're really good basketball players. They just have, have some differences. Potential from, flaws or yeah, maybe didn't um, show up the times they were supposed yeah, to show and, up. And, and, but yeah. they're, if you get someone in the top 100 or the top 120, uh, I, I think you're going to get a, a person, if they fit, as Jared said, you're going to get a, a, a really good potential. And there's no guarantee, you know, like we said with the with the movement guys, there are a lot of highly rated guys based on what they did in AAU. And I tell you, I went and watched those guys play in AAU. It was incredible. And you thought yeah. you were getting just fantastic above the rim. But the college game is different than AAU, and the college game is different than high school. And that's what Moeller's coach told me about Logan, too. It's good enough to do it on our level. And he's really good, and, and I love him, but he's going to have to do it at that next level. And then he said the proof's going to be in the pudding, and um, well, that's just so true. Well, yep. Jared, I'm sure you hear about it in Texas a lot. It's 5A Texas football. 
mm-hmm. you're good right. at that, you're going to a huge school no matter what. I mean, you could be yes. an average player on a good team. You're going to a college. It's that way out here in, in Southern California in the Trinity League where it's like modern day, St. John Bosco. Like These teams alternate winning national titles. If you're the worst play, the worst starter on one of those teams, you're a three-star, you're getting recruited to Oregon State. You know, I mean, it's it really has a lot to do with the programs you come from the pedigree, the leagues, all of that. They pay attention to all of that, and it, and it all factors in. So if you're a kid off the radar from you know Idaho playing in a random league, you might be as good as some of these other guys, but you got to show it on the AAU circuit because they're not going to see you playing there. You know, I mean, it's it yeah. really has to do with showing up when you need to show up on the court to get noticed. Yep. Well said. All right, last question from Richie. He says, with uh, Logan Duncan committed and the crystal ball is predicting Kaufman to IU, <clears throat> my question is, does Archie Miller and his staff still go after uh, Patterson and Muhammad? That's Trey Patterson, who is a uh, four-star uh, wing from New Jersey, and Aminu Muhammad, a five-star guard from D.C. Uh, does he still go after both of those guys, and which one is the priority for 2021? Hey, that was the other bit of news this week, kind of news that broke. is Was it Jake Weingarten from Stock Risers, I think? Uh, might have said it, or I don't know, maybe it was somebody else. I apologize to whoever had that. But that basically Indiana was kind of doubling down its efforts on Aminu Muhammad, and that's a guy that Bruiser Flint has been involved with, obviously, because Bruiser recruits all the guys out east based on his connections out in the Philly area and, and out there. And it sounds like Indiana's really going to go after him. It sounds like there's some mutual some mutual interest there, which will be interesting. Um, you know, So now that, that is the other benefit of this. You've got Lander, and we'll see what class he ends up in. You've got your big and Duncombe. <clears throat> and now they can really focus, you know, really go after, try to hit a home run, go after some guys that they really want. Those, I think, are the two highest profile names. You know, probably you might see him get involved. Well, there was another big, too, and I don't remember his name. There was someone else they offered a scholarship, a top 50 big uh, that they're still looking at. So those are probably the names to look at. I think Muhammad is the priority because he's the better player he's a really good shot creator he doesn't he doesn't shoot but he's really good he doesn't shoot well but he's really good at getting to the basket um so that is a bit of a concern that he's not much of a shooter but he's a good defender a great athlete you know hard playing really talented player so you would take him and try and figure it out but it is a little bit of a concern that he doesn't shoot so that's outside of Kaufman that seems like the next name to really keep an eye on in terms of a high profile potential elite recruit um if Archie can get him you know, now and if I you think- can pair a guy like him, if you know if Duncan becomes a shooter and you've got Kaufman, so you've got a couple of bigs that can shoot. Now you can absorb a guard who isn't as great of a shooter, yeah. Because those guys That's are okay. going to play away from the basket, and a Muhammad will have room to work. So that yeah. will work a lot better than having a non-shooting wing when you have non-shooting big men clogging up yeah. the lane, which, as we've seen, no, I would, does not work. And I, and I would say about this, I think that that Kaufman is the guy they want to get the Indiana connection, all that. And his skill set is fantastic. Obviously he was, became a junior to win Mr. Basketball, which is no Gatorade player of the year. It wasn't or Gatorade Basketball. player of the year. I'm sorry, which is a huge deal in Indiana. Uh, I think that he and Trey Patterson are, are redundant. I think, um, th- so if, if they get Kaufman, I think they move off Patterson and focus on Muhammad. Um, We'll see how it plays out. You always keep going after guys until you have your class full. I mean, you go after whoever, and you can't get lazy with it because you think Kaufman's coming. Kids can change their mind at the last minute. So they are hammering down offers and going after guys because you never know in recruiting. And it could be that uh, you know a kid like Kaufman visits somewhere else one weekend, all of a sudden falls in love, and that's where he's going. So you got to keep going after everybody. Don't so, make that um, mistake, Trey. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that his fit is at Indiana is actually great uh, with the lineup and, and the, the roster he's going to have. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a great fit at Indiana, but we'll see. Uh, but Muhammad, I think, is is probably the priority because he gives you something a little bit different than you have. As he's a good defender, that. like a really good yeah. defender, too. So and he, so he fits that and then a hard-charging driver, which is something that, you know, you don't really have off the wing on this roster that you love. Um, so I think that he's, he's, you know, a piece that kind of fits into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, R- Ryan and Jared, you both brought up the point of that driver, that North South, uh, Indiana does not have that North South. Now, to some extent, when you have two posts, it's kind of hard to go North South with, with the, the two big guys. But, uh, Jared, you said, if you can start stretching your four and stretching your five, um, you do have a spot for a guy that can be a scorer. And it looks like Archie's starting to look for just get me some points types of guys. We all want shooting, and I, I hope the heck Archie wants shooting too, but the, the minefield uh, uh, guy who said Indiana's their last seven was a 30% shooter from San Francisco, the grad transfer. Uh, Aminu is a 20% in high school, and boy, that just strikes fear in everyone. It's like, please don't bring in any more guys that can't shoot the three. But if they are, guys, you can create space with drivers as well as you can create space with shooters. It's Romeo did it. Nobody around him could make yeah. shots though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it, you know, we got to get shooting, but it looks like there's a, there's, you know, a spot in Archie's rotation where he wants to get to where that maybe it's that three spot. Yeah. And when he gets that roster set, that's going to be a catch rip and go get fouled type of guy with your point guard and your two and your four being able to shoot the three as, as Ryan suggested. And so I look at patterns in recruiting more than individuals who who's Archie going after, you know, and why is he going after him? Uh, And so those guys all fill that mode of maybe non shooters, but can put up points. And um, so that's kind of where he's going, whether that's right or wrong. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. And do these guys make sense together? You know, and it's, right. it seems like as the classes start to be stacked, they're making a little bit more sense. It's been kind of hodgepodge, you know, these first few years, which sometimes it has to be, and it's probably been more so than it needed to be. But we will, we will see. It's nice to nice to have a couple of really really good recruits though in the bag and you know ready to go. So now they can focus on getting some other guys. All right, gentlemen, let's have a little fun here. That's all the questions that we have. So, this hey man, is, this is gonna suck. This is. <laughs> This is a, I don't, I don't know what we're going to call this. Um, but basically this is, so, so what we do here, this is called slowed down audio. Okay. So I was, I was listening to the radio station and they did, they were all doing like, you know, these remote, you know, they, they couldn't be in person. So they're all, you know, recording on zoom, recording at home. And one of the radio hosts was just like, went on this tangent about the, like the the artist rendering of the coronavirus picture and like how beautiful of a picture it is and like how colorful it is and they slowed down the audio of it and it sounded hilarious. Trust me, my description of it is not going to do it justice, but it sounded hilarious. I'm sitting in my car laughing my ass off listening to this. So I took some segments of our conversation from last week with Richie Carter and I slowed these down. And so we're going to listen to these and I will gauge your reaction. I will gauge the chat mob's reaction. If you think this is funny, if you think this is entertaining, we will cut it off if you don't. I think it's hilarious. So here we go. So this is slowed down audio with Richie Carter's chat mob induction. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, and just so you know, this is setting up the beginning. Is setting up getting to the story uh, where Richie says that you're like Justin Smith when you start a fire. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, invited me to come and join 
for tailgates and the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Thank you. Every time, every time he takes a video of the tailgates, you are there hanging out. And what's the best part about those tailgates? Uh, interacting with me and meeting a third body and, and yeah. you know, the, the connections I made through coach and Jersey angling do you get stories about coach there if you didn't oh, pick boy. up on that that's what you really the effect on the voice kind of ruins no. it a little but well yeah there's no way to there's no way to kind of take that off when you say hey, that it kind of why, why did you slow everyone else's voice down but not Richie's <laughs> Okay. That's how he sounds every Saturday after a few pops. It, doesn't it kind of sound Close like down. we're all sitting around a campfire at like 2 o'clock in the morning after, uh, you know, imbibing? So anyway, here we go. Give us, well, give us a breakdown of Coach's general behavior at these tailgates. Let's get to the... Let's get to what the was the one where Coach was really irrational? Was that the Michigan game? When you guys, oh, when yeah. it was like <laughs> really cold, yeah, he, and you uh, guys were there all morning. He made it. He made it to the game, and he seemed like the first offensive series, the first defensive series, and he just just. Scouting report was long. How long does this go? Well, it actually goes for fourteen. It actually goes for fourteen minutes. I don't oh anticipate. God, oh no! I don't anticipate oh, people want to listen to it all. I just came prepared. No, not at all. <laughs> My goodness, I will, that sounded okay. like you guys at uh, on the meetup, know. you know, getting your pizza. I know, and then I'm coughing. I will post that. Oh. I'll post that on the in the show notes for this. If anybody wants to go listen to the whole thing, you can. I think I could listen to the whole thing. It's funny. There's I mean, some times other stuff are tough. Later. Times are tough, and there's not a lot to do in 24 hours when you're home. But it's true. I mean, to listen to that for 14 minutes. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I think slowed down audio is funny. Oh, I do too. I think it's funny. It's it just, is. It's hard with the with the effect on the voice. That, yeah, I got to figure uh, out. There might be a better way to do it without like that effect on it, the voice. Yeah. But yeah, it goes on, and it actually gets better. But. It's a tease. It's a tease for the people. That's a tease. I will put. I'll put that on the website. So if you want to keep listening to it, you can. Maybe we'll do a live a live listen of that. 
Well, live tweeted on Twitter. Oh, my gosh. It gets good, Coach. You have some funny lines in it coming up, especially when you talk about taking shots at tequila. I'm telling you, there's some <laughs> funny stuff in that in that thing, so you'll want to listen to it. Oh, geez. Anyway, thanks for enjoying Coach me. talking about getting drunk. Man, I was bad that day, Ryan. <laughs> I, oh, I know. Not, I heard not about proud it. of that. Not proud of that at all. Golly. It happens to us all. It does. Usually it it's when we're in college, times. but it, <laughs> it does happen to us all. Bloomington, man. I'm telling you, you stay out late and you do crazy things when you get back to Bloomington. You do. You do. All right. Well, I'll put that up there. You can listen to it if you want to. All right, fellas. Maybe, maybe we'll do some more slowed down audio in the future. Sure, I, I'm all for it. I think it's great. That was the least enthusiastic endorsement of anything. That we've now it's I been know. a long show. I'm a little spent. <laughs> now I know why Jared was so mad at the beginning when the when the stuff wouldn't work. He was cutting up. Oh, he thought he why. had this really good slowed down audio, and he's going to have to have me host, and it wasn't going to be able to work. He was cussing. Uh, I was. I, I was very he frustrated. Was bad. I actually, but I wasn't actually thinking about that. I just, I hate it when that crap happens two minutes before you're going to go live. Yeah, it's the worst. It no, sucks. one time with with Andy, it was like it was the clicking. You yeah. know, when he yes. does his thing, we were all on, and it was like we were behind because it was a post game show, which there's way more yeah. emphasis on being on time with a post game show, and it was yes. just like, well, nothing's working, you know, and I know it was rough. It happens. It happens. All right, everybody, we'll probably do another chat mob induction next week. I think. Try and do one okay. at least every other Sounds week, good. if not, if not more. Those are fun. Sounds good, Jared. Let me know if Andy wants to host. I will assume that I'm hosting until I hear otherwise. Okay, um, but I know he was scheduled, so okay, he can have it if he he wants to. I will let you know tomorrow night. IU North Carolina, 1981. Joel has a lot of thoughts because he feels like that 1981 team doesn't get the love that they should. You know what's it's interesting? Point. You know it's what's interesting? Point. That team had the worst regular season by record of all the national title teams. But if you actually played a tournament of all those teams, how they were in the NCAA tournament of all, maybe of any oh, Indiana team ever, it would probably be the 81 team versus the 75 team. Because those yes. were like the two most dominant, the teams with the most dominant stretches. And maybe yeah. the 1960 team with the way they were playing at the end of the year. And they didn't even make the NCAA tournament. That's for Some you, people Bill think Murphy. that 1960 team was the best team IU's ever had. There By the end of the year, that. they were unbelievable, yeah. and they didn't even make the tournament. Crazy. It's crazy. The rules back anyway, then were Anyway, so watch that 81 team. That game, it'll be a good one. All right, guys. All right, y'all. Bye, everybody. Thanks for paying attention. Listening, Have a good night. In, everything. Good See night, you guys. Y'all. See you guys Bye, tomorrow guys. night. Later. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Rocket Pro Insight gives real estate agents full visibility into the loan status of each of their clients, making it easier than ever to help their clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval. Plus, agents can adjust a client's approval letter amount in real time. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. Call for terms and details. Equal housing lender. Licensed in 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Verified approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions.